Today on Drawing Near, we continue to explore Revelation chapter 7. This chapter should bring great joy and relief to all who are concerned about the souls of those who go through the Great Tribulation. So take your Bible and turn to the Revelation of Jesus Christ chapter 7 as we explore Tribulation Saints. Before we read God's Word together, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your redemptive work in human history. Even back in Genesis chapter 3, you let us know that you are not going to leave us in our sin, but that those who would have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ could be and would be saved. And Father, I'm grateful to know that those who can be saved will continue into the great tribulation. Thank you again for your grace and mercy, not simply toward us who trust in Christ now, but for the grace that you give to all of those who will hear the gospel message, put their faith in Christ, and repent of their sin. Guide us in our study. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In our previous study, dealing with the 144,000 who were sealed on their foreheads, it's important to note that John never records seeing them in chapter 7. But rather what he sees are the four angels holding back the four winds, and he simply hears the number of those who are sealed. When we come to verse 9 of chapter 7, John sees this vast multitude who come from the tribulation. So we're going to begin reading today in chapter 7, verse 9. In verse 9 we read, After these things I looked, and behold a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. As we look at verse 9, the phrase, after these things, refers to the fact that John witnesses this scene after hearing the number of the 144,000 witnesses in the previous verses. And when he says, I looked and behold, this reflects some astonishment on John's part. No doubt John was amazed at what he saw here. As the last of Jesus' disciples, with the church under intense persecution, the number of believers in the Roman Empire could not have been that many. Not in the millions, but rather in the thousands. And now, John records in verse 9, he looks and beholds a great multitude which no one could number. And this multitude consisted of all nations tribes, peoples, and tongues, which means not only were there Gentiles in this group, but also Jews. In all likelihood, these are the result of the 144,000 witnesses which John sees previously sealed in this passage. Hopefully you'll recall that in our last study, we quoted Jesus as saying in Matthew 24 that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. And so from all the world, these saints come and repent of their sin and are saved, and we see them now in Revelation chapter 7. I myself and many others see this passage as an indication that God has kept his covenant with Abraham. 
God told Abraham that his descendants would be as many as the stars in the sky, and they would be as uncountable as the sands on the seashore. Abraham's descendants do not just include those who are physically descendants. They're not simply Jews. The reference to all of Abraham's descendants includes a spiritual reference as well. We are told several times in the New Testament that those who by faith trust in the promise of God and in the Lord Jesus Christ are descendants of our father Abraham. So whether you are Jew or Gentile, if you trust in Christ, you are a descendant of Abraham. And this passage states that those who trust in Christ and therefore are Abraham's descendants are an uncountable number. They're a great multitude which no one could number. And John witnesses them before the throne and before the Lamb. And they're clothed with white robes, which obviously represent the purity and the holiness that come to the believers of Jesus Christ by faith, and they have palm branches in their hands. They are worshiping. They're praising God. We see this in verse 10. They were crying out with a loud voice. We need to emphasize this. They were crying out with a loud voice. There was no shyness. There was no intimidation. There's not really a recognition of self so that they're so self-aware that they're afraid somebody else is going to hear them. Those who are saved and truly recognize that their salvation comes through the grace of God, we worship God with our whole heart. We worship God with a loud voice. We are not to be ashamed. We are not to be intimidated. We are to be so focused on the grace and mercy provided to us by God through faith in Jesus Christ, that we worship him openly and boldly. And this uncountable mass was crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. In other words, there is salvation in none other. God is the author of our salvation. Jesus is the executor of our salvation. Together they bring about all that is necessary for us to be saved from our sin and inherit the promise of eternal life. Did you know when true worship occurs from those who have been redeemed that those around them can be moved to worship? Worship begats worship. In verse 11 we're told, All the angels stood around the throne, the elders and the four living creatures, and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. When we truly worship, we influence others to worship. When we boldly proclaim the glories of God publicly, out loud, others are also moved to worship God. Even the angels and the elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God on their faces because of this great multitude who had been redeemed and were praising and worshiping God and the Lamb. And here are their words of worship. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. When the redeemed worship, then those join in and say, Amen. We agree. This is true. And then they say, Blessing, glory, and wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, and power, and might be or belong to our God forever and ever. 
the great culmination of all of God's activity is seen in his grace that is poured out on sinful man. As he redeems lost humanity, God is magnified and glorified. And therefore, because we have been saved, we need to magnify and glorify God in our worship and in our witnessing. In fact, our worship should be public witnessing to the grace and mercy of God in our lives. And then John is engaged in conversation with one of the elders. Verse 13 says, Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? Verse 14, John says to him, Sir, you know. So the elder said to John, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. We're reminded of the passage of Scripture that tells us, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. We cannot save ourselves. It is only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, through his death and burial and resurrection, that we receive forgiveness and salvation. The answer to the question, where did these come from? We're told in verse 14 that they came out of the Great Tribulation. These are individuals who were saved during the Great Tribulation. After the church has been raptured, when the Great Tribulation has begun, the gospel of Jesus Christ will continue to be proclaimed on the earth, primarily through the 144,000 witnesses, and these are the fruit of that witnessing. And verse 15 tells us, Therefore they are before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger any more, nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to the living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. These are the promises that most of us have heard concerning heaven. And these saints who are saved during the Great Tribulation will not be excluded from these promises. They will share in all of the promises that all believers have held on to for all time. This reminds me of the parable of those who get saved late in the day the worker who goes out into the field and receives the same blessings as those who have labored all day long. God is not a respecter of persons. Whether you trust Christ prior to the coming of Jesus Christ or during the Great Tribulation, you will experience all of these blessings through repenting of our sin and trusting in Jesus Christ. No more hunger and thirsting. The sun nor heat will strike us. The Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd us and lead us to living fountains of water, and God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. That should cause all of us to worship boldly and cry out to the Lord in praise. Father in heaven, our great Savior, we love you, we worship you, we praise you for your great mercy and grace that redeems lost sinners to you. Thank you for the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we praise you and thank you. We ask, Father, that you would help us to be bold in our worship, to be bold in our witnessing, 
that we would, by faith, trust in the promises you have made to us who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. Increase our faith. Help us, Father, to be faithful to you all the days of our lives. And we look forward to the time when we will inherit the great promises you have made to those who have trusted Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to these podcasts on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or the Facebook page Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City, provided with the hope that we will draw near to God and He will draw near to us.